Hey everyone, you found another episode of Exploring Kodawari. Kodawari is a Japanese concept word that means pursuing an ideal, attending to the details along the way, but knowing that you can't arrive. And our guest for this episode has a really interesting hobby. Well, I don't know whether to call it a hobby or what, but it really fits in perfectly with the ethos of Kodawari. His name is Joe Lariola, and he's a good friend of ours who teaches writing at Stony Brook University. And his hobby is beach cleaning, which is exactly what it sounds like. Joe spends many hours at a time walking up and down the local beaches to pick up trash. As you can imagine, beaches are filled with various types of garbage, some of it ugly to look at, some of it disrupts the wildlife, and some of it is made up of like, you know, the type of plastic that degrades into microplastics, which is a huge problem in terms of ocean pollution. So we get into the specifics of why he beach cleans, what types of garbage he tends to find, and how it helps the environment. And more spiritually or personally, we tried to dig under the surface to figure out what motivates people to help out in this way, especially considering that it's a very Sisyphus-like struggle because no matter how much you clean, there's always more garbage. Anyways, it was an interesting and philosophical conversation. Um... Don't forget to check out the episode notes for links to various things we discuss, including his TEDx talk on this very topic. And also check out our website where we have articles and other content, including a page where you can support the podcast. See ya. All right, Professor Joseph Labriola, welcome to Exploring Kodawari. That's how you say it. I've been wondering. <laughs> yeah, I heard you like type me the word of our podcast a few times and you were like, yeah, I don't know what you said. I've said a lot of things, everything but the actual podcast name. Um, so, do you know what Kodawari is, by the way? Uh, yeah, great guy. General Kodawari. <laughs> yeah. Make, um, make some great, great I, I only asked that because like, it's exactly your ethos of beach cleaning. So, what is, what is the definition? It of means it? you're pursuing a goal somewhere on the horizon, like a carrot on a stick, some kind of perfection. For you, it might be cleaning all the beaches or something. Mm you know you're not going to make it. You know... Yeah, I was going to say the carrot on the stick metaphor is is always a bit uh, elusive and ominous in some ways, right? Yeah, I mean, but it's like still walk towards it. So like yeah. you clean or, the or beaches... Or Sisyphus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll talk about, about Sisyphus. Sisyphus. Great guy. Get um, General Sisyphus. <laughs> Come on, wonderful. Yeah. I heard General Sisyphus and Kodawari had great times. I heard Sisyphus <laughs> rocks. <laughs> By the way, if you hear no folks... Intended, I guess... <laughs> If you hear some um, ice cube clinking, we're drinking an old fashioned with Elijah, Elijah Craig. I was about to say Elijah Wood. (laughs) (laughs) Both great guys as well. All right. So Elijah Wood, General Kodawari and General Sisyphus walk into a bar. (laughs) (laughs) They get wasted. Um, Can you just introduce yourself before we get into the beach cleaning thing specifically? Sure. So I am uh, Joseph Labriola, professor of writing and rhetoric. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of beach cleaning the past several years. How many years? Uh, I probably started really getting into it maybe, I don't know, probably about four years ago or so So now. Um, I was always, uh, it, and it's funny, it, it keeps coming up for some reason, because I guess it's how I started um, originally collecting beach glass. That was sort of the thing that right. I like just mm-hmm. doing going to the beach because it's very... Fun. It's fun, but yeah. it's also peaceful. You know, and it, it's it's kind all of, different colors, right? Yeah, you, you it's it's you get to explore. It's a little bit treasure hunting, and of course, over time, you start to anybody. And I've actually had this experience talking to a lot of other beach glass hunters on social media, where they begin as beach glass hunters, uh-huh. and they 
realize over time there's no avoiding the fact that there's far more plastic pollution and much more insidious and harmful uh, types of ocean waste than beautiful beach glass. And so that's actually been interesting to see a lot of people, especially on places like Instagram, who start out with profiles uh, dedicated to, or accounts rather, dedicated to beach glass and beach glass hunting. They, they're just shifting by pure necessity into more... Trash cleanup? Yeah, trash I didn't cleanup. Even, see, I didn't even know beach glass hunting was like a a category of thing on Instagram. Yeah, I'm not quite sure why. Uh, I, in the sense that I, I, I think it's a hobby. It's like it's almost a hobbyist. Like, do thing. people collect these and like just take out and look it's at? It's probably them similar to yeah. the guys, okay. Yanka. You've seen these people on the beach with the um, metal oh, detectors the metal and detectors, they're yeah. yeah. That's a you know you're probably not making that much money. You find a ring once in a no, while. Yeah. you know. Yeah, it's I think it. I think it's very much a hobbyist thing for many people and. Again, the more people I talk to who... Because there's a lot of overlap. Because like I said, I started that way where I was finding beach class and I was... You know, I would post about it too. But over time, I just realized there's so much more plastic waste. And then when you start researching it yourself... And I also have the benefit teaching at a research institution to have many students who not... You not, can send your little students off on figuring out research well, or whatever. Well, they do the research themselves because uh -huh. they're not just science uh, or they're not just studying science, but a lot of them are marine sciences and in environmental study and sustainability people. So uh, I, I'm just... So you're teaching them writing because they have to take a writing course, even though their major is whatever else? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, it depends on the course, but for so the beach cleaning doesn't class. pay the bills. It's the right teaching writing. Beach cleaning <laughs> does not pay the bills, which is funny because I think some people think that I've had that experience more than once. They think the town must have hired you yep. or something. Yep. People <laughs> or or you're getting punished because you like you know committed Social a crime work or right. something. Yeah. Which it may be, maybe you know spiritually speaking, but sure. I've I've actually had that experience more than once uh, where somebody comes up to me and they say oh, this is great volunteer work that you're doing. And I remember this one guy, I said, oh, I'm not volunteering. And he said, oh, that's fantastic. So who pays you for that? <laughs> no and I said, oh, I, I'm you, not What you not meant was it. I am volunteering in a sense, but like not for a thing. Like volunteering yeah. implies like there's at least some social organization involved that organ you know like yeah i don't know the exact definition but i i agree with with that sort of the the unspoken contract of the term of the de definition of volunteering maybe right yeah yeah and, and then the, the guy was some people volunteer just yeah. for the social points is my point yes yeah. exactly and the guy went back to then say asking oh so you are a volunteer and i said no and he just kind of stared at me and then said oh and, and then, then he just turned bored. and walked away. He was just so baffled as to what is in this for me yeah. as a weird guy just who versus trash. <laughs> yeah who, how are you winning yeah. I think was his question yeah. and that sort of gets to um, maybe he didn't trust you anymore he's like you it. must be crazy if you're just out here doing this not with anybody not for anything well yeah he it, that's true I mean you are doing it for something but um, yeah so pollution is a problem generally. Obviously, <laughs> cars. Tell, tell us more, philosopher. Uh, you know, like burning coal, fossil fuels, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. What's the particular problem with ocean and plastics? Uh, yeah, so ocean plastic pollution is interesting in that it it very much is uh, sort of an extension within the sphere of all those other issues that you say, right? So the the big one that you have probably heard about for many years now in regards to real environmental catastrophe and environmental problems, obviously has been global warming, right? Mm -hmm. And fossil fuel emissions. Or oil spills, you know. Oil spills, yeah. yeah. And that makes sense. And <clears throat> excuse me, that speaks to sort of, I think, the issue with 
why it's taken so long for people to get on board with dealing with ocean plastic pollution, because those issues, when they're very tangible and they're very visible, they elicit more of a, a of a reaction, I think. And oil spills is a good example. Mm-hmm. You see the animals. Yeah, yeah. You, you can see the animals that are being harmed by the stu- same stuff that is also warming the planet. So that's sort of, I think, just inherently mentally uh, closer more closely connected in people's minds. Uh, whereas ocean plastic pollution, you know, really, and I mean, I, I was the same way. I mean, I knew of it as, oh yeah, that's bad, but I didn't really understand the degree to which it was um, contributing to environmental catastrophe until a well, few years ago when I started yeah, cleaning Yeah, it's a few layers downstream. No, no pun intended. Well, yeah, <laughs> like that's true. In other words, the 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 bird covered in oil that can't fly is just yeah. right there in front of your eyes. Yeah. So that's that's another perfect example that I like to talk about. Where if we think about the nexus of individual and larger societal change, and it's something I try to highlight in either the videos I make or the social media uh, images and all that sort of stuff I post. That there's so many examples that I find of. And the the one big example that you can point to is a few years ago that started the outcry against straws, plastic straws, was the video. Did you guys see the video of the turtle with the straw in its nose mm-hmm. and the people trying to pull uh, the straw? Oh, God. Did, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it's hard. Like the I turtle's screaming. Yeah. It's terrifying. Oh and that is essentially kickstarted the whole campaign State to get rid people. of straws. Yeah. So it was a very tangible You wouldn't think example. turtles can scream, by the way, but they can. Especially with... And it makes sense. It's like, yeah, if there was a plastic straw lodged in my brain, I would scream too, right? Yeah. Right. So, and I see examples of that in just beach cleaning in general, where I'll see um, a f- uh, probably a few months ago now, but um, it, this is a regular type occurrence where I saw a seagull and it couldn't fly because it had fishing line tangled around its ankles mm-hmm. and it was just kind of hopping around. And those are made of plastic, right? The fishing lines? Or is yeah. it some kind of polymer or whatever? Yeah, I mean, most of that stuff is, you know, it's funny you say that because I uh, found a sponge today and I posted that on, on my Instagram and I was thinking, oh, sponges are good. Like, sponges are made out of sponge. And then I Googled it and a very quick Google search result returned that, of course, sponges should be made of sponge. But, but most not. sponges are made of some sort of... Only the ones from Trader Joe's are made of sponge. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Most of them are made of some sort of petroleum-based byproduct or whatever, right? Um, so, yeah, most plastics, while they're not the same types of plastic, and you can see this as reflected by they all have those numbers on them. Like, you ever wonder what those little numbers mean? Yeah. It's different types of plastic with different right. you know, okay. grades of chemical. Uh, but Some of them are heat resistance. That, that, yeah. That, that's why you can put coffee in them and or whatever. And that's why you yeah. can recycle some of them and not others in the same process. That's why recycling will sometimes mm-hmm. say, like, oh, you can recycle these numbers, these but not those them. numbers. I but see. usually, yeah. So, like, fishing line is made out of... Um, you know, whatever it's made out of in terms of a type of plastic that's maybe obviously more pliable in a certain way. As per Either way, it'll break down in yeah. the ocean at some point, right? Eventually, that's the problem is that it might take, uh, there's no, this is part of the problem with ocean plastic pollution as well is that, it, you know, different plastics might degrade quicker than others. And when I say quicker than others, we're talking anywhere from like several years to several hundred years. And there's no clear consensus on even how long some of these will take because they haven't been around long enough <laughs> right. to when, really see in the actual environment. When was how plastics long they would take. invented? Like the 30s? Something yeah, they've, like that? Been, they've been around. I th- I think like the earliest um, sort of variants of plastic have been around since yeah the early 20th century um, when they you know started really playing around with. And now they're dope it. at it. You can do 3D printing with all sorts of plastics. Oh, plastics Plastics are... The, amazing technology, but just don't throw them in the beach. It's one of the 
uh, greatest and worst things we've ever created. Yeah. yeah we'll yeah. be able to replace it like in yeah. 50 years, like with something else. That's oh, well, not... we'll have to eventually. Yeah, yeah exactly. For sure. I don't think it's sustainable. But... Well, it's funny you say, um, you, you know, in terms of, uh, of plastic, like don't throw it on the beach or don't leave it on the beach. Cause that's something else that, uh, I really like to talk about in terms of how to address this as a more holistic issue because, and this is part of the problem as well. It's not even clear how much plastic in the ocean starts at the beach. Right. And there's why you were, you were saying numbers. this in your, in your um, TED talk. Ted yeah. Talk, in the yeah. TED talk. I'll link that in the episode notes, but yeah. Um, yeah, you were saying that like there's the macro plastics, like you see a water bottle on the yes. beach that some person either accidentally or lazily left there. Yeah. But then there's like the bottle that, was a bottle a year ago and is now just like part of the beach. Yeah. Or there's the bottle that started, actually I made a video about this a, a couple of weeks ago where it started 150 feet uphill, a mile inland. Guess what? It's going to take a century for that to degrade. That's plenty of time to find its way to a storm drain, mm -hmm. to get into the storm drain and wind up in the ocean. And that's why most of the plastic I find or most of the trash I find, it's not water bottles. It's not, you know, stuff that you would think would originate at the beach. It's toothbrushes, it's light bulbs, mm -hmm. it's batteries, it's garbage stuff. bags that break open. Yes, garbage raccoons tip over garbage runoff cans. water. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a lot of stuff and that's sort of a much more daunting question because it's like, what do you do about that? And you really have to assess, well, what are we doing as a collective species? Because the the sort of idea that, oh, if people just stop polluting on the beach, the problem is solved really. is a is to me sort of an emotional psychological cop out for many people. Mm -hmm. Because you you see what I'm saying? Like they're isolating yeah. like that's the problem. And if well, bad every, people every... just stop doing it, then the problem's solved. And <laughs> that it's like, sounds that sounds oddly familiar with our current day. It's it's it, like if you can a put a face to a problem that you're passionate about, yeah. it's easier to get people to rally around it. But if you say it's a complex problem yeah. that would take 10 different industries yeah. changing their behaviors, like making toothbrushes yeah. out of a, a kind, let's say you invent a kind of plastic that doesn't degrade. And or, this is what we're going to need ultimately. Yeah. yeah. We're going to need a technological solution yeah. and or something with incentives, right? You'll have to yeah. incentivize companies to not yeah. use certain types of plastics, yeah. even though they're cheaper. Yeah. And you can say, hey, at the end of the tax year, if you use, if you can prove that you use this type of plastic, we'll yeah. give you a tax cut or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think you can't rely with these big environmental problems. You can't rely on people's good will. I mean, capitalism is great Certainly in a lot of ways and bad in a lot of ways. Yeah. And one of the ways it's bad is that a company that's making a billion toothbrushes a year is not going to do the more expensive version of that yeah. unless they're incentivized to do that. And this is the the utter problem with... Uh, I, I mean, I don't like to use terms fully that I don't understand because I'm not an economist, but the idea uh, sort of more broadly speaking of pure capitalism, right? Where it's like, well, you know, the market will decide that that's a bad thing. Well, you mean like a libertarian type yeah, of, yeah. Yeah, maybe, but with Once disastrous, the gone. Yeah, <laughs> disastrous consequences, because that's one of the, the long-term effects of ocean plastic pollution. People say, well, it eventually breaks down whatever. Well, no, it becomes that, that product that it was essentially. It breaks down into you know, whatever blah it's made of. And now yeah. that's in the ocean. And, and, I, and you cannot beach clean microplastics. I can't beach clean can't microplastics. It. It's I, just there. I can't <laughs> beach clean acidification of the ocean yeah. by, by, you know, this, this runoff and these products breaking down and, and heating up in the sun. Um, 
And and I, I know that's a big part of the problem, too, is that a lot of this, it just sort of turns back into the microscopic mush that it was or whatever, right. you know? Right. The, the Go back to the atoms from whence you came. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, and that's the thing. It's like, well, what was it originally? It was oil. Where was the oil? Not in the oceans. Yeah. You know, it was... Just it was, like an oil spill is bad. Exactly. Yeah. yeah right. Wasn't and there like, this thing in like one of the oceans where it's just like garbage like oh. for miles and miles like i forgot the area the, there's uh, a name for they it. call that the great pacific garbage patch yes because aren't they cleaning so slowly but it's still gonna take like 13 years or yeah, something. They, yeah they actually there was a there was a company that developed a um a uh I don't know what you would call it. It was like a trash collecting thing to yeah. go there. Didn't a kid invent that? Like a I, really young kid? I think I read yeah, that. Yeah, there's been a lot of that. ideas going around of like creating, I guess you would call them trawlers or something uh-huh. to, to deal with that. And that's, you know, it's funny because they, um, I forget the name of the company, but they, they tried their test version of it um, for the first time, I think last year. And they collected, I forget how many tons in one trip. And, uh, I just remember thinking, wow, they got more in one trip than I have in four years. But then again, <laughs> I'm just one weirdo on the beach. And right? Yeah, but you're making a difference. Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. When, you know, when you do it, yeah. just for people, they can check out your videos. We'll link your YouTube um, channel or... Professor Labs. Professor Labs channel. Yeah. Um, you're literally just walking with garbage bags and filling them up and then hauling them, I guess. Where do you bring them to your home? Go- like, where do you bring the garbage my, afterwards? My garden, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my garbage garden. Um, Do you roll around in the trash afterwards? Like, what's your? Is, is this like a fetish oh, thing? He, yeah, he got me. <laughs> he found me out. Well, so that's that's sort of one of the. And again, this gets into the absolutist thinking that I think is part of the problem, right? Where people, I mean, forget about the problem of people assume. Well, what's the difference of if I do it or not? Because one person is going to make a difference. That's a whole other problem. But the problem of even when you do it, whether or not what you're doing is actually changing anything is a problem too because me taking garbage from the beach and putting in a bag and having that bag be transported to a landfill is not ideal either right right right. because what happens in landfills well it still degrades it still poisons the groundwater around right that still eventually maybe runs off into the ocean that's slightly better. It's perhaps. like cleaning one room of your house and making the mess in another room. Yeah, saying yeah. we're going to make that room just the mess room, right? yeah. yeah, as opposed to all the other. Which, in again, that's that is slightly better, but you still have a dark room in your house that you're not paying attention to, right? Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't. It, it's not. I, I I think it's important to acknowledge that. And this is sort of what I talk about in the TED Talk and what we were referring to earlier. Me going to the beach and saying, "Oh, I'm a great person. Look at what I've done. I've cleaned the beach. I've solved the problem." No, not at all. Is that the sign you hold up when you're cleaning the beach? (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing that I do keep in mind. I am helping those seagulls that I saw hopping around that can't fly, right? Mm -hmm. I am helping the sea turtles that, you know, get straws lodged in their brains and, you know, die. So I am helping my local environment and by extension, the more, uh, the wider environment. But you need to keep in mind that this isn't solving the problem still. There's still more broader uh, or broader advocacy you need to do a la what we were talking about with you know uh, uh, forcing companies or yeah making companies getting policy at the government yeah. level mm-hmm. making incentives right do you ever get angry at humanity as you're like cleaning up i remember one time you told me <laughs> you saw just like it was as if a family or a group of friends came down to the beach 
enjoyed a nice sunset with fast food, let's say Chick-fil-A or something. Chick-fil-A, no, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A is, is better than, than, let's say Burger King. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, what if they want to sponsor us? Yeah. Let's just say fast food of fast any food. kind. Yeah. It, and let's, you, say, let's say fast food of any kind. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you said like they literally just left all their garbage. Yeah. Like they didn't even try to pick it up. It wasn't like, oh, yeah. the wind took one of their bags or something. Yeah. Don't you ever get mad at humans? Like, yeah, I don't think uh, so. Anger is a weird emotion in many ways. I mean, this is something we've talked a lot about. Because uh, um, anger can be good. <sighs> I think anger is only good in terms of helping you form further perspective, right? And that's sort of what I think about in those moments. Like, it's not bad to feel anger, so I might be angry at seeing that. But I think the 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 problem is staying angry, mm-hmm. right? You sort of want to reflect upon that emotion and channel it more so into, you know, what is that really all about? And so I usually wind up being more sort of disappointed and sort of more reflective as to, well, what more can I do to then spread this word and this message and, and help educate, you know, people, myself included, so that we can work away from those situations, right? Because what's the alternative? I could yell at them and tell them, hey, a-holes, what, well, th- that's if, illegal, what are you doing? But you can't even see them. I'm, you usually find the remnants, you know. But I, I also... If you see it in action, you should definitely I also... Oh, I have. That's my point. And that, you know, <laughs> my reaction to that is initially anger for sure. Um, but again, I mean, so much of that is perspective. I mean, don't... I feel as well, 100 years from now, people will look back at me and say, that guy, he could have rode his bike to work, and yet he just drove around in his his exploding combustion engine car poisoning the world. Mm-hmm. What a terrible person. How could he have possibly done that, right? Right, but that's judge. I hate the whole from the future judge people from the past, especially when it's for things like oh, I do too. driving that's, a car. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck would you have done? You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's my point is each generation has their own version of that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that that's that's sort of my point where it's like, I, I think you, you sort of have to... You, you can't let some, you know, things like that. It, it is, it's more disappointing when I see something like that. And, yeah. and to me, it's, it's more along the lines of you, you can't let that disappointment, you have to rechannel that disappointment from despondency, which is obviously, you know, a very real emotion and can very well happen and sort of try to refocus that energy more towards like, I guess, confirming that what you're doing is a good thing. Right. Right. And what you're doing is all the more important. And that's why I think, you know, education, not in the, you know, sort of performative way, but like I genuinely, you know, I, I don't care if tomorrow this issue is solved on it. Honest to God, if this issue is solved, you know, the government passes all these laws, we take care of plastic pollution. Great. I'll go back to being a normal loser. I'm a hundred (laughs) percent fine with that. And I think that's the point, right? Like you, you have to be doing what you're doing for the right reasons. And that's the problem is defining what the right reasons are. But to me, the right reasons are to get the actual result, which is preventing the entire ecological collapse. Which is way more important than than ego tripping, as right, far as I'm right. concerned. Yeah. So I just found the Marcus Aurelius quote when you were great guys well. saying um, just about like you know you feel the anger towards the the yeah. family or whoever left the the fast food garbage. Yeah. So he has this quote: When you wake up in the morning, tell yourself the people I deal with today will be meddling, ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest, jealous, and surly. They are like this because they can't tell good from evil. <laughs> Hmm. so it's sort of like just a uh, just make people ignorant like yanka we were sitting at the beach the other day 
and we're in quarantine pandemic mode, right? The beach is gigantic, low tide, <laughs> so much sand. And yeah. this group of people without masks just like almost walks on top of us yeah. and like, oh, oh, there's people here. Let's Talking go. Talking. And, and she yeah. got like genuinely upset. And I was just like, of course they would do that. Mm. You know, they're like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't the think. The fast food people like are yeah. like that. I mean, if you. <laughs> yeah. Fast food people are like that. <laughs> no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the action. So if I see somebody leaving trash on the beach that doesn't upset me as much as somebody not being not willing to learn why that's a bad thing sure that's yeah, even worse no that's yeah true. yeah and it's so possible. that that's been my whole how approach. can you not know that you shouldn't leave garbage on the beach you though there's a garbage can 30 though. feet away you, might uh, you really think there's people out there i'm arguing against myself now no <laughs> I, it's, a, it's a good it's a good it's a good question i i think that there are people who don't think about it right that's i think true. it's more than just like whatever yeah. Yeah. And there's, I, again, it's, it's what difference does it make what I do? I have a tough life. I have a tough struggle. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to check if my children picked up all the toys. Right. Mm-hmm. I assume, that, I don't even think twice about it. Right. right the plastic shovels that the yeah. kids use or and whatever. And so my point is that in my experience, maybe it's because I've been teaching for so long now, uh, you know, maybe there's times and places for it, but I find it very ineffective to sort of shame people into then... It's so common in our culture right now to shame people for anything. Yeah, I don't and think it works. Look, whatever you're, whoever you're shaming might be a shameful person or rep- mm-hmm. they, what they did was reprehensible. I think it reinforces bad behaviors. It doesn't solve problems, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So my thing is when I see that, I, you know, uh, I try, my whole approach is to bring people on board. It's, but J- to bring them on board through like, you know, just awareness and, and hope and, and empathy as opposed to... For example, let's say you actually people. saw it in real life. Yeah. Somebody left the trash and then they're walking to their car and you happen to be beach cleaning. Yeah. What's better to go over and shame them and make them think, next time I'm going to leave the garbage on purpose? Yeah. Or do you just go over and pick up the garbage, put it in your trash and make them quietly think, ah, shit, we forgot to do that. So here's the thing. And this is what I love about beach cleaning is that it's one of those, it's one of those, those things where you can do that and really set an example and it set an example that plants a seed. Right. And so much of progress that is worth doing does sort of sprout from these seeds. I feel like seeds of action. Yes. And people will see that I've, I've had that exact experience where people have left stuff and I just, you know, if I'm, you know, even if I'm not cleaning, I'll pick it up, but usually, uh, you know, then I'm cleaning and I see they notice me. (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah that you can kind of tell they're they're thinking what's going on and i've i've noticed at least around here i mean i've run into so many people especially in the past you know it's weird since uh the pandemic started M- many more people beach cleaning oh interesting nice. really yeah. many more people uh-huh. and people i, I wasn't out there cleaning so i wouldn't know <laughs> <laughs> There's a, that's my point. There's always hope. There's always ch- time to change. There's always more people to clean beaches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I've definitely noticed uh, more people just doing it on their own, which is the most encouraging. People I've run into who say, yeah, I just started picking... Like, they, they, they know... They've admitted to themselves that they, they know that there's a problem. Well, and they want clean beaches. That's the other thing. And yeah. you realize, like, this was one of the things you said in the TED Talk was sort of like you might feel an energy, let me change the whole world, but it's like, how about just do something right around you yeah. and fix that? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, cause you know, you can do that. Yes. If and, I, and you know, that has, again, it has a positive effect for, uh, I mean, what kind of person doesn't appreciate a positive effect to somebody who's right next to them? And that's 
my example with with the seagull who lives at the beach who you know you cleaning up the fishing line helps those those seagulls like that's your neighborhood that's your community these yeah. these animals are are tied into your what local would happen to the ecosystem if seagulls were just gone probably bad things i don't even i have I'm not no smart idea. enough to know right? that i'm not <laughs> smart enough either but it can't be good right yeah <laughs> yeah I know if yeah. like one type of bacteria is yeah. not in in a, an environment, it messes yeah. the whole ecosystem up. So like seagulls yeah. are are pretty big. I I assume so. And yeah. I like the sound they make at sunset when like you're <laughs> watching the beautiful colors and you yeah. hear like. I also think I'm starting to lose my mind because I honestly do feel as if the animals know me because <laughs> seriously. I've been going, <laughs> but I've been going to some of these beaches. I mean, I go all over, but I have my local beaches that are kind of like, okay, I got a lot of stuff going on. I know that beach. I know where the trash is. I know the birds there. I know yeah, the birds yeah. there. And even the deer, they kind of, I, I see them run from other people, but when I come, they kind of chew in the grass and they just kind of look up and go, what's up? You know? They talk? <laughs> well, you know, with their eyes. With their eyes. I believe okay. you. I, believe you. I gotta but believe you. Why, <laughs> they, they, and I realized this last year. I said, oh, yeah, I've been coming to this beach now cleaning for four years. They clearly know I'm up to But just with their good. eye, because <laughs> they can only look at you with one eye at a time. Yeah. But like they don't... Deers can't... They, they right, turn their true, head. Yeah. And like, but they don't, know. like, dart off. So I, I like to... As delusional as that is, and <laughs> what are we other than sustained by our delusions, mostly... Um, I like to think that that the, the animals are are you know if well, deers could giving give you a the thumbs, thumbs up, up a hoof up yeah <laughs> whatever you, motivates you, you know? <laughs> yeah you want to think that the deer is just going like keep going man <laughs> great job buddy yeah, great yeah. job buddy yeah okay question yeah so you also have a book that you wrote on beach yeah. cleaning right yeah it's on Amazon yeah the beach cleaner's yeah. guide to getting trash okay yeah. we'll link that on the episode yeah. notes but it's a great book what is your <laughs> What is what is your book about mostly? Yeah, so it's it's actually uh, just a very you know sort of modest attempt to really highlight the basics of if you want to get into beach cleaning, how how do you start that, and sort of what to how to prepare and you know what to consider uh, based on the weather, the season, mm -hmm. time of year, whatever. And there's actually it's it's funny I, it's something that I thought. Uh, to do after several years of beach cleaning just because so many people are asking me questions and I realized I know a lot about this just by doing it and it's it's funny when people talk to me they assume that I teach it or something sometimes because <laughs> they hear I'm a professor and they well they almost want to think you must have an incentive that isn't just the thing yes or that <laughs> there's somebody taking care of this this is the conspiracy mindset right that even conspiracy theorists dude coronavirus just swept across the nation we we've had nothing. the second highest day yesterday and we're yeah. three and a half months nobody's yeah. in charge nobody's in charge <laughs> and it's the same thing with beach cleaning so the, the beach cleaners guide to getting trashed is just kind of a, a very accessible way i feel like mm -hmm. um because it's it's you know pretty concise in its point by point analysis but there's a lot in terms of each of those the, uh, the amount of points mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's been it's been good i i know a lot of people especially people who don't live near the beach i've recommended the book to who like and that's something that we were saying earlier is so important that I think it's more important to clean around you if you don't even live near a beach yeah, than, than like it is anywhere. Yeah, they end up in the beach. Exactly, it ends up in about, rivers, yeah. streams. It runs all off into the ocean. So I tell people it'll all the eventually time, get there, even from Kansas, probably. Right? I know people, maybe who, not Kansas. No, I know people. <laughs> I know people who live in uh, thousands of miles from the ocean. All right, maybe not thousands, but many hundreds <laughs> of miles. Same one. Mile. <laughs> uh, no, I do actually know somebody who lives in Manitoba. And cleans regularly. Oh, we we used to go there every summer. Where's my Where's Manitoba? <laughs> exactly. That's my point. Their shit's still winding up in the ocean. Yeah. Right. 
maybe not so much Manitoba, but uh, a lot of other places, you know, you think about Florida, it's a peninsula. It only goes so far inland. A lot of that stuff is ending up in, in creeks and canals and running off into the ocean. So I know a lot of cleaners in Florida, too, who, who clean around, you know, even inland because they know that stuff's going to run off, too. But that's such a, a lack of aware. I mean, so many people don't realize that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it is. I mean, most, again, this is the problem of not knowing the numbers because we know that a lot of plastic ocean pollution comes from inland and comes from uh, countries like China, especially from river runoff, but we don't really know exactly how much necessarily. And then once it's in the ocean, it's everybody's problem. It's everybody's problem. Yeah. So one of the themes of your Ted talk, which was what we said before, sort of leading by example, right? Yeah. Another one was this philosophical concept. I don't even know if you could call it that, but it's a concept called tragedy of the commons. Yeah. Do you want, do you, have you heard of that Yanka? No. Can you explain that? Yeah, so it's, I mean, we sort of uh, touched upon it, but it, especially in terms of beach cleaning, it's the idea that, well, if if I do or don't do something, it's not enough to affect the whole, right? Mm-hmm. So the example with, you know, any country not taking care of their own ocean plastic pollution problem, it's like, well, it would be expensive for us to put regulations and recycling programs to deal with this. Whereas if it's just in the ocean, we're not noticing the immediate harm and whatever, why would we take that expense on at our own cost mm-hmm. when nobody else is doing it too? Yeah. So the the original example of tragedy of the commons is with the sheep, right? The it's sheep it's the with field. the common grazing. Yeah, the common grazing land. Yeah, where you have like 10 sheep in a field and everybody shares it. But let's say a village of 10 different yeah. families mm-hmm. and they each have they agree, five sheep. They agree. Okay. They agree. One, like each person gets to milk one sheep and then somebody decides, well, if I milk two sheep, I'll be rich oh, because everybody else is only milking one. But now everybody thinks that. And then all of a sudden there's and no more And then the milk. patch of grass is I gone. Right. With the grazing example, right. it's like now the grass is gone and nobody can graze. Yeah. The classic example is with fishing. Mm. So if you overfish oh, the ocean. that happens all the time in yeah. Istanbul. Nobody can yeah. fish. Yeah, right. I mean, are there regulations here about that? Like Probably. We definitely have it. In oh, yeah. Someone's there's, in charge. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, I, I don't know the, and this is part of the problem too. So much of this, this is the, I mean, this is the issue of why there are so many issues. It's hard to know, it's hard to know about everything, right? Um, and with, with regulations, I mean, a lot of them are local. Um, yeah. There's like, federal guidelines. Same with there's, hunting. There's all yeah. sorts of guidelines mm-hmm. you have to know yeah. about. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of, you know, uh, at least where, where we live uh, on Long Island, they've been doing a lot more with fish conservation efforts. There was actually a really interesting example a few years back. Do you remember in the um, Shinnecock Canal, they had that fish die off? a few years ago. Oh, Bert, I remember I saw a, something, an article about that. Yeah, yeah billions of fish or something. Yeah, millions something of fish. disturbing. Not billions, but like a lot. So I, I am probably, I don't know enough about this, but one of the theories I heard was that it was actually, because people immediately thought, oh my God, the environment is dying, right? But it turned out that it was a result of there were too many fish because of all the conservation efforts they were doing. And they got funneled into the canal and there wasn't enough oxygen. <gasps> oh, fish. That's so interesting. It would, it would literally be like us in a, a room without ventilation losing. Yeah. That happened yeah. in the harbor, I think, a year or two ago, right here. Where do you remember all the dead fish were floating up? I don't know if I do. Yeah. I think that was a similar thing. But that's hard to distinguish from, oh, is, is it that or is it something like red tide or, or a, yeah, a yeah. poison, mm-hmm. which is also a problem. So uh, there's so many potential factors that, you know, it, it's hard to even distinguish sometimes. So that the tragedy that commons the standard argument is like depleting a positive resource like fish or grass or whatever. Yeah. But for your beach cleaning, it's more like a, a different 
it's like the negative tragedy of the commons. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how do you stop doing a negative behavior? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Right. So it's just the inverse of the the standard one. Right. And it's that's even harder, I think. I think so too, because it's Hey, stop it's driving your car. It's like, how am I supposed to get to work? Everyone right. drives their car to work. That's right. what's expected. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing though. You, <laughs> right? Like I technically could stop driving my car to work. Technically, I'm not going. Yeah, we all can technically. (laughs) Well, the especially living in where we're living, like it's just not reasonable. There's no like if you're living in Amsterdam. I could, I could ride my bike. I could ride my bike to work. It would take several. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the tragedy of the commons in this in this scenario would be like we each individually say, "Why the hell should I sacrifice this?" For two reasons: one, because it's not my responsibility. I didn't design this society. Right. And two, because even if I do it, all those other, people other lazy are people are that. not going to yeah. do it. So therefore, my efforts would be futile. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. the tragedy. It's it's that that philosophical trap your mind falls into. It's like, why should I bother? Because yeah. it doesn't make a difference. And it's like, well, the problem is everybody's thinking that. You say this in your TED yeah. Talk about voting. Everybody thinks, oh, what is yeah. my vote count? Yeah, I tried to give What's an your argument that, against that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried to give that example where that's something that people are at least familiar with and but that's still highly debated because there's still plenty of people who say yeah i'm not gonna vote um (laughs) right but there's a difference between (laughs) reasons why not to vote some people don't vote because uh, again they're they're they work too many jobs or they're just too busy and they don't realize that there's alternatives even like absentee voting or voting by mail or whatever um but i i like to give an there we go folks (laughs) right on time at least that one was quick. I don't even know if the microphones will pick that up, but the ferry is leaving port. It always <laughs> plays a... That was yeah. a low C sharp, right? Yes. Bonko da nice. All right, go on. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Tragedy of the commons. Negative tragedy of the commons. Like, you know, why should you vote? Oh, if right. If you know your vote doesn't yeah. count. Yeah, exactly. And and I think it translates to... Uh, it translates to so many aspects of, of society. And yeah, beach trash is, is certainly you know, one of it, but it's also this idea that, well, somebody should be taking care of it, right? The government should be taking care of it. Well, the government and companies aren't going to do anything unless you make them, unless you really force them to. It's easy to think of an entity like the government as a thing. It's just people. It's just made of people. It's people and and bureaucratic mechanisms. That's one of the terrifying things about growing up is when you're a kid, you think, oh, there's this like thing that is adults and decision making and they know they know the important things mm-hmm. even if you don't think they know everything yeah. right like that's the classic example your dad's a superhero when you're a kid and yeah. then you find out dads die and you're like oh man yeah you know like maybe a friend am of I yours, dad am i gonna die right right <laughs> well that's later <laughs> oh that's just existential dread yeah <laughs> which is also part of the problem but but it just to know like and this coronavirus pandemic was certainly an example of this where you go wait a second yeah, I just assumed like there were really smart institutions and bureaucracies and government yeah. that are like three months ahead of something like coronavirus, and it turns out we were three months behind. It's still a lot of no people. idea what we're doing. We still don't really know it's what's going on. It's a lot of people on. waiting for a paycheck and just wanting a sandwich. Yeah, that, that's a great quote. Right, government fails because it's a lot of people waiting for a paycheck and they want a sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, pretty them. much. And I, I uh, you know, more power to them. I, I understand that. You know, I'm when, hungry too. I would love a sandwich. I, I might get have it. a sandwich after this. Wouldn't mind a paycheck fact. either. Yeah, I'll take two <laughs> two paychecks and a sandwich, please. Uh, one thing that I am encouraged by is the fact that these you know that there is a system and that we have seen this work and the example that we've seen at work 
with was the plastic straw and plastic bag out outlash over the yeah, past couple of years, true. which in some ways was discouraging as well because the, the plastic straws, like I said, was, was sort of prompted by the sea turtle video. Um, and that led to a movement where many big companies were forced to abandon plastic straws because customers put pressure on them via social media. That's fantastic. That's great. But the problem was that people then, you know, put their kicked their heels up and said, "Yeah, we won. We saved the turtles." Right. Plastic straws make up less than half of one percent of plastic ocean pollution. It's probably even less than that. What? Also, paper straws suck. No offense. That's a horrible solution. They 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 do something else, please. They do they do suck, but. You know, I mean, these are. Do I really have to use have, a paper straw yes, for yeah, half like, of one percent? It's like if it's just one percent difference. The sea turtles that much. When I get my cold no. brew at Starbucks once in a while, and the paper straw collapses in the opening of the of the lid, yeah. and now I'm here's jackass in traffic here's trying the, to sit. Here's, here's the thing. Here's my my argument for paper straws. <laughs> uh, Elon Musk launched a car. In, into space. That's true. On this Falcon on re, Heavy, on right? a reusable rocket, three Wh- reusable rockets which, tied together, which both, which all three of them landed in in sync. sync well, which was backwards. Well, on one their of landing the, pad. one of them blew up on the drone pad, but the other two okay. landed in sync. Oh yeah, uh, and he's had much more successful landing since then, right? He can do that. We can make a plastic straw that doesn't. Yeah, fall apart. I mean, we can or, do or a, a paper lot straw of that doesn't fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes. Really down believe, to it. I really want to believe. Yeah. yeah. No, we we, we <laughs> it can. comes down to wanting it and then doing it. Yeah. And and incurring the the expense, valuing that as that's that's worth doing. Like we, I always make the joke that if I was dictator, I would first thing I would do is I would ban private lawns and jet skis because private lawns are such. There's so much fertilizer, which is so bad for the environment and pesticides. Yeah. Um. So much fresh water is wasted. Just watering so, those like lawns. What's the point? So much um, CO two nice. from uh, landscape machinery mm-hmm. um i think i remember reading that california something like 40 percent of carbon emissions are from landscaping oh <laughs> and they were going to ban uh, uh like diesel things and, and make it all electric or something like that um and i would ban jet skis as well because i feel like if you took the energy and resources and people aren't going to like this who, who are jet ski people but if you took the time and resources and and energy that went into jet skis you could probably do something to fix the environment with that, that, Definitely. that e- equity of resource. But right? of course, we live in a country where you value freedom. So you go, okay, we have to say we value freedom. Freedom is free though. We know that we have to put exceptions to that freedom so that everybody can have access to it. Yeah. So there's a balancing act. I would say um, in your dictatorship where you've made jet skis illegal. <laughs> yeah, you know, I find that troubling. Balance. Yeah. Balance. Um, but there is a Ray Anderson who's a jazz trombonist, uh, teaches at the school we both went to. Um that and the and the school that you teach at Joe. Yeah. He has a great YouTube video. <laughs> I'll um I'll link it. Uh yeah. let me just type his name. There we go. So <laughs> there's no chance I would remember that. But he has a great YouTube video of a a, a song or Whatever it is, I, I don't know if he wrote it, but it's called Don't Mow Your Lawn. Have you ever seen that, Yanka? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, it's amazing. Well, I'll show it to you after the podcast. Okay. He, he just gives oh, this I, speech I've heard about that. like... I've actually heard you, that. You, I think you, maybe you were at my house when we played it or something. Yes, I do remember um, that. It's yeah. really trippy. Yes, it's very <laughs> trippy. But it's the message there is something like what you just said. It's like, you know, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> and, and this is what worries me. Why are you caring so much about your lawn? Yeah, I don't know the answer to these some of these questions but i do know that getting more people involved and getting more people interested in it is the only way to lead to a solution 
That I know. By leading by example. I think that's the important I, thing. I That's my ethos. One of the quotes I found here that says this perfectly, um, if you if you have to choose, be the one who does things instead of the one who would seem to do things. Yeah, I would agree with that. And because people respond to anyone who leads by example. So imagine if you were telling people the importance of cleaning the beach, but you never really went. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, what? I, I sometimes think that because there are social media accounts that I look at and I'm like, I, I don't know that you're really doing what you're saying you're doing in, ter- <laughs> well, in terms of advocacy. Yeah, there are a lot of things about yeah. a lot of topics and I, that I don't want to specify. And I, well, I worry that people might think that about me, that it's because to some extent it is performative. It's like yeah. when I take a picture of trash on the beach, it's like, oh, let me make sure that the angle is clear. And that's just for aesthetic reasons. But then I'm already because I'm very I'm a very paranoid person in terms of I, I don't really like I, I've never really liked attention in the traditional sense that way, but I, I'm already thinking, oh, you know, am I sell out now? Yeah, right? yeah I, I'm trying so hard yeah. for this, like whatever. But that's different than saying, oh, this will get 70 likes and three more follows. And, yeah. you know, I don't really care about all that. Yeah. I mean, if people like it, they like it. Uh, you know, if I can get one person I think those to say, things are good in, in, in terms of can your message be more effective? Yes. Not exactly. so much like, oh, look at me. But, but why so, do you want it to be yeah. effective? Is yeah, yeah. What's yeah. your ethos? Right. Yeah, right. To get back reason? to. I mean, even the TED Talk video, I mean, I think it's up to almost a thousand views uh, because I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> and, worship uh, me, worship me, yeah. worship me, dictator Joe. <laughs> and, uh, but I've had several people tell me that they went out and they got, you know, st- gear to pick up trash and or they're just picking up on their local beach now. And I'm that, that alone, I'm so thrilled that. Mm-hmm the video was able to accomplish even that yeah i mean it 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 go it just that's part of your mission right even if one person would be affected by it you go okay because the whole point is to let's get into the sisyphus part which is if you don't know the sisyphus sisyphus actually not not such a great guy now the mythophis the (laughs) mythophis so it's this greek myth where um, basically, let's just skip all the details where he pissed off Zeus yeah. and various mm. other gods. Yeah, and he was—he tripped up. He tripped up. Yeah, in in Greek mythology terms. Yeah, that's the academic way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, mm. I, I tell my class that all the time. That guy <laughs> tripped up. So he was punished by he he was punished with an eternity of pushing this boulder up a mountain, but before it would ever get to the top, the boulder would sort of escape from his grip and roll back down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And the message is sort of like, not only do you have to do this meaningless, um, futile task, Mm -hmm. you never even accomplish it. Yeah, the struggle is everlasting. And then from that, you can sort of derive different philosophical ideas. You can say, I mean, in one of them, I forget the the philosopher who like did this, but it was basically like, what if Sisyphus, every time he was at the top of a mountain, took a little rock and brought it back down, and then pushed the boulder back up again. And by the end of 10,000 years, <clears throat> he would have flattened the entire mountain by taking one rock at a time. And then Zeus is, says, I see what you're up to. I see what you're up to, Ramon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you have to do it with no arms again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Sisyphus myth is great. I don't know if you've ever seen the Jocko Willink video, the Navy SEAL guy. I've shown I know, that to you, Yanka, I, right? I know yeah. of him. So he's this, um, he has a podcast, I think it's called the Jocko Podcast. Oh, he does? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, it's really intense. Like, listen at your own peril. He'll, he'll just go into like dark, dark things. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So he has a video. They sometimes take speeches that he did in the podcast and put music to it and whatnot. And it's about Sisyphus. And he's talking about the whole point of it, which is that instead of focusing on the destination, the outcome, which would be like getting the boulder to the top of the mountain, realize that the whole point of life is the pushing of the boulder. Oh, I would agree with that. And he said, if there was a day where I somehow managed to get the boulder to the top of this mountain and it stayed there, and he pauses, like dramatic pause, he goes, I would push it back down myself. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel the beach cleaning just fits with this Sisyphus myth. It's like sometimes you must go back to the beach and realize it's more dirty than yesterday when you cleaned it. Yeah. And that's a hundred percent. That's so funny you say that. And that's because I'm putting garbage on the beach. <laughs> well, that's one of the things we joke about when we're at the beach and somebody says, "Oh, don't forget to pick up, you know, a cup or something." I say, "I'll get it tomorrow." Don't yeah. <laughs> and that's actually something I tell people because it, one of the experience- you're not joking when you say that. <laughs> yes, yes, and no. <laughs> um, Depends on the specific. Well, cup. well no, th- that's true. Yes and no because it's it's the same sort of uh, experience I've noticed with people who I've gotten into beach cleaning. Um, where when they first start beach cleaning, they say, oh, this is great. We're doing something to help, whatever. And then they sort of have a, a crisis of the realization that... They get overwhelmed. Oh, my God, we're not going to be able yeah. to pick it all up. That's true. It, we, oh, so when they first these, got into it, they were thinking, yes, we'll accomplish a goal. They were thinking that sort of dichotomy of, oh, if we'll get we... get the boulder to the top. If we Yes, mm-hmm. get the boulder to the top. And then they realize, we're not going to clean this beach today. And I say, oh, in fact, it's going to be just as dirty tomorrow. Yeah. Also, and, you're never going so to clean like, this You're like life. a beach yeah. cleaning guru. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> you're, you're like, so I'm thinking of the Karate Kid scene where it's like sweep the deck, you know, and they're like, yeah. but it's dirt. It's yeah. like, yes. Yeah, exactly. It's made of dirt. Yes. <laughs> um, but again, it comes back to, and that's why it's so important to emphasize that it's not futile, that it does at least at, at a local level, make a difference. And it is on this path towards um, greater change. You know, I, I think I mentioned I've been reading that book, A People's History of the United States. Zen, Again, Zen I mean. The, the Howard Zinn. Yeah. Zen or? Zinn. Oh, yeah. Um, he's very Zen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's fascinating to read all these accounts of, uh, talk about Sisyphean struggles throughout history read that book isn't that what history is built on oh my god human beings enduring through hopeless situations and and people knowing that what they were going to do is hopeless and there's so many examples in that book of people who you could pluck them out and say let's make that person a martyr right like marketability wise the sky's the limit with what that person went through and yet they're a footnote in this guy's book right but they still did it yeah and and they probably depending on who they were had a ethos personally that said i know even if my name doesn't get uttered ever again i can die at peace knowing i struggled towards the good this is a this and this is a an ethos throughout history the more i read i think one thing that i mean environmental stuff is obviously what i'm into but i read a lot of history for this reason because the more history i read the more examples i see of people with exactly this mindset where they know i'm probably not going to accomplish what i really want but that I'm doing this for, we're so short-sighted today where it's so short-sighted. How does this affect me? I feel now? like we're short-sighted at the level of like week at a time yeah. or a yeah. day at a time sometimes. Yeah. Whereas people back in history had like grand visions, even though they failed locally, Yeah. they were setting an example for future generations yeah. way down the line. Susan B. Anthony is one of my favorite examples of that. I was reading the Ulysses S. Uh, Grant biography recently and she actually met with Grant 
and said, oh, I, you know, give, I think uh, once he was president going into his second term before the election and she wanted, you know, him to push for women's suffrage for the right to vote. Mm-hmm. And he straight up told her that's not going to happen. Politically, it's suicide. Right. I can't do it. He said, I support it. And I'm going to, and he, he did appoint a lot of women as postmasters and other positions. Uh, so he, you know, he, he did whatever he, you know, he could, he could do in that sense, but he straight up told her like, I'm not going to do that. Like it's not politically prudent. And she still went to jail voting for him mm-hmm. because she knew that he was closer to that ultimate goal of women's suffrage, which didn't happen. I believe. Well, let's say she just that. abandoned supporting him. Then it's like, you're even further from your far further from further. your goal. Very good. <laughs> Writing professor uh, approves. <laughs> um, have you ever read the Camus, um, he has like a, a series of essays I on response to, more to the Sisyphus. No, I haven't read. Can you send me that? Yeah, I'll just read you. I'll send you it. I'm going to link yeah. it in the episode for sure. I would sure. love to read that. Yeah. I found a free PDF of it online. But here's the quote that I, t- I came away with um, about it's. I think it's from the beginning of, of, of the book. Um, the struggle itself towards the heights is enough to fill a man's heart. One must imagine Sisyphus happy. Mm. So it's sort of like, at the at mm. the sort of like base level of your ethos, you have to say yes. I know I can't accomplish goals ultimately. I'm still right. going to try and push the boulder up the mountain, and I'm going to find uh, an inner peace with that. I'm going to be, you know, happy. Yeah. Not all of the time. Sometimes you'll be like this goddamn boulder is so. Ha-. But you but, shouldn't be happy all the time. Yeah. No, of course not. I wouldn't want to be happy all the time. Happiness is oversold like that. It's like, oh, yeah. the the meaning in life is happiness. It's like, that's no, not. No, it's that like having a purpose and like something to yeah. do, like just having a goal. Like even though again, kodawari, like even though you can't achieve it fully. I was going to say yeah. it like it fits hundred percent with the ethos of this podcast. I would agree with that. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going into the fridge uh, for I'm some just, beers. No, I'm just turning the motor off so that it doesn't uh, come across on the recording. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, I love that. Kodawari, it, the, the, the word that, that sort of sparked our inspiration for the podcast is exactly this, too. Yeah. Sort of like embedded in the meaning is you know you can't get there, but still do it. Because the opposite is just nihilism. Well, I think it's important to define, too, what is you. That's true. Mm-hmm. Talk about modern society Go ahead. being <laughs> egoistic, right? Yeah, people people are very self-centered. Um, what would you say? Uh, egotistical, but not in the not in the way we use it normally where it's like No. I you know like spiritualism and materialism often get put on like a spectrum of like the that's the duality. It's like spiritual is like you don't you don't have a scientific grounding and materialism is like you have no spiritual life, no inner, yeah. you know, I think that's the wrong duality. It's more like spiritualism and ego. Mm. And if you're more spiritual, yeah. you realize I'm part of something bigger. Right. I'm doing my small part. Maybe it's even, me- it could be meaningless or the meaning is so little because it's not playing a big part. Right. right. Your beach cleaning is not cleaning most of the beaches on the planet. Right. But you realize that still you have the choice remember the quote we said i think it, you you brought it up recently on the beach again but we said it like a couple years ago when we did a beach clean during the winter and we recorded a little thing thing to oh, go yeah, along yeah, with yeah. the video. video it was yeah. the quote was aim yeah. at heaven start at home right it's like you don't know what heaven is you're just a human being right but you kind of have an instinct towards which direction it is well it's hopefully. not in the way of leaving fast food on the beach 
No, I think, I that, think my instinct says that's not it. And that's the, and I, again, that's sort At of least the you know that, right? Well, but not, and not everybody doesn't, maybe they do know it, but they, they've put up blinders to it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the problem. But that's why I think, again, it comes back to leading by example. It comes back to, you know, just spreading education, but not in a performative way, you know, trying to bring people in, in a genuine way. Yeah. I think. The shaming just never works. Yeah. I mean, maybe it does work in certain circumstances, but I, again, I've, for, for my purposes, um, I don't find it useful. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually found where I got that quote from the aim at heaven start at home. Yeah. So it was a, it was um, Jordan Peterson was on this Aubrey Marcus podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard that. I, I think it's just called the Aubrey Marcus show or something like that. And it was towards the end. And the, the concept was one of Jordan Peterson's rules. He's the psychologist who wrote a book of, sort of like life rules and yeah, one the of them rules the 12 rules yeah. and they actually come from a set of 42 rules and he just like distilled them down to 12 oh so the other ones aren't that important um well some of the other ones i forget which one made the book or didn't but some of the other ones was make or, at least where jesus i'm here <laughs> so i can relax my grammar <laughs> yeah here. don't even worry about it <laughs> all right i have just i just ha- i have uh, less <laughs> jesus <laughs> I think you need another drink. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the rules was make at least one thing better every single place you go. That fits mm. your ethos, I would say. Yeah. Um, work as hard as you possibly can on at least one thing and see what happens. I think, boom, like that, mm. you know, even if you don't know what it leads to, you know yeah. that hard work will, will tell you that it doesn't lead anywhere at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Notice that opportunity lurks where responsibility has been abdicated. I think that fits the beach cleaning thing. Like people just generally think, like you said earlier, someone else is taking care of it. Yeah. It's like, no, they're not. Yeah. Somebody empties the garbages, but when you don't put garbage in the garbage, right. nobody takes care of it. Right. When you have runoff, nobody takes care of that, right? Right. So the other, the other one was set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. And... That, I think, obviously could be literally your house. Like, if your house is a mess, how could you possibly criticize other things in the world? Yeah. But part of your house is the beach that you live by, right? Your your neighborhood or your community. And so, you can expand out in these concentric circles of of expanding diameters. Why would I be pissed at the federal government for not doing more to, to pressure companies and industries if I'm not willing to... If I'm willing to just walk on the beach and ignore trash that I see? Yeah. Because I worked 40 hours a week this week and, you know, spent the weekend at Timmy's soccer practice and don't have time to bend down. Yeah. It's, it's, maybe you have a bad back, then I understand. I mean, look, there's all sorts <laughs> I have of a bad specifics. Back too, though. But these kind of, these kinds of rules, I think his book was so successful because he found a way to say cliche type rules, but with his own language. Mm. You know, like if you hear a cliche, it just kind of rings an empty bell. It's like, well, that's only because they're misused. They're uttered carelessly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cliches actually have very strong moral foundations often. They are true. They've That's just why been, they're cliches. Yes, they've just been hijacked by popular, yeah. you know, what's what's the, the What's the cliche that comes to mind, the most overused cliche? Uh. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually... Actually, no, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Well... <laughs> it, it is what it is. It, it is, literally. It really and it, is. Yeah. <laughs> See? You get but it. Like, <laughs> all of... Sto- oh, so much of Stoicism and Marcus Aurelius's meditations, the, the energy behind the paragraph yeah. that he wrote is, it is what it is. Yeah. Yet, when you hear it 
it is what it is, you go, okay, yeah, you just, you're, you, those aren't your words. Yes. You're mouthing someone else's words. Well, it becomes a cop-out, because I've heard people use that where they say, oh, it is what it is. Just empty, like, why did empty, you just yeah. say that? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. But if you say it in a deeply spiritual way, you realize maybe I live in a deterministic universe and I can't control the outcomes of things, but I can control how I respond to those things. Mm-hmm. And maybe I yeah. can't even control that, but that is not in my control, so whatever. That, get, <laughs> that gets back to an important point that I think is worth emphasizing too, where most people who have come out to, because I organize beach cleans too, and most people who have gotten involved through those end up just becoming solo cleaners on their own where they'll still come to events, but I see them, you know, posting their own stuff now and they say it's very meditative. They describe it to know that you even said that in your Ted talk, you were saying like, Cause exactly. we were, we, we did a beach clean together and then you were saying you should do it alone once. Cause it's like yeah. much different. Yeah. You, 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 you connect to the earth. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Well, you feel as if you're doing something that again, it's you, you can't say that you can't say that the, it's easy to look at a fraction of good and say, it's, it's not really not enough. It doesn't add up to being measurable. Right. Yeah. But it is. And that's, you know, I've had people come out to beach cleans where they say, I don't understand. There's nothing to clean here. And <laughs> that's I, a very Long Island accent. You uh, have there. <laughs> uh, that's, I'm quoting verbatim. Yeah. Um, and we, and I say, well, we have to walk down the beach. You're just literally looking in your immediate yeah, vision. That's right. Right. Maybe and, not. and that's what I tell people. If you look, you will, if you walk far enough, you will find trash. Yeah. Um, and in fact, people, they assume if you're not seeing bottles, they think that's just beach trash. But I say, you could spend all day on the beach and not find one bottle, but fill up an entire garbage bag full of microplastics. If you're willing to take the time to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what, one of the reasons I like the beach cleaning ethos is it it cuts right to the core of what there's like a a competition between stories happening in culture right now between like the you either are completely an individualistic type life theory or you're collectivist you know Mm. and as if it has to be one or the other yeah it doesn't but on the individual on the individualistic side people think it means you're just selfish oh why why should i clean the beach or why should i do this or this is my property why should i care about you know like that kind of thing um, so what they called it when they were quoting this aim at heaven, start at home, he said, it's not selfish individualism. It's enlightened individualism. Mm. It's compassionate individualism, knowing who you are so that you can see yourself and everyone else and like get the whole thing moving in a good direction. Yeah. You realize you are an individual. That's an important thing that the West figured out, right? You have individual rights. You're an individual. You can own things, all that stuff but you're also part of a group and yeah. good luck trying to survive without the group. Yeah. Good luck trying to survive without oceans. You're part of that group. Yeah. You can't separate yourself from that group, whether you want to or not. And if you did want to, I would say you're foolish because not only would it just be miserable, you probably would not survive more than a week. Mm. Right. And I think it would be miserable. And right? probably it would be Tom yeah. Hanks didn't look too happy in Castaway. No, he, <laughs> he was rough around the edges by the end of that. Oh man. Uh, so, you ready for bonus questions to end us off here? There are bonus questions? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do have a quote. Oh. If we're wrapping up. Yeah. So, I heard this just the other day, and this is why I think you should still watch the show Trailer Park Boys, because <laughs> I think you would love it. But there's an actor in Trailer Park Boys who died a few years ago. Um, I won't spoil it, but he died in real life. Um, oh, okay. I'll just say John Dunsworth. Great actor. In the show? he No, in real life. Oh, okay. Great actor. 
Um, and the last, the last uh, season that they did was right before he died. So they included a clip of him in the post credits. They like dedicated to him and mm-hmm. they include a clip. And in the clip, he says uh, it's like 30 seconds. And at the end of the clip, he says, when you're dead, you're dead, but you're not so dead. If you contribute something. Mm. And to me, when I heard that, I just said, that's like the, the best version I've heard for like, why, this type of stuff is good to do, especially if you're sort of coming to terms with this, you know, the ego, right. And, and sort of the version of self versus society. It's like your legacy is what you do now. And people are obsessed with legacy, whether they admit it or not. That's why so many people have children and raise families. We're wired to care about our legacy and we don't know why. And we don't know why. Yes. Yeah. For us, like, I think it works in a way that we, like perform music and stuff like mm-hmm. you leave legacy like you have recordings oh. and stuff well so so much of that motivation people. might be i want to leave a legacy of impressing people everywhere i go yeah. and having wealth and and all those things mm-hmm. i think what you're getting at is you can leave a legacy of like um what well, what was the quote i just read before it said um make at least one thing better every single place you go mm-hmm. it's like that's a legacy yeah and guess what they're not going to write about that in in history textbooks Mm -hmm. or maybe it'll be a footnote in the zin you know people's history but that's still better yeah i don't know if god exists and maybe when you die joe like god will be like hey good job with the beach cleaning man (laughs) (laughs) you're you're going to 10th in line yeah yeah, you know like there are some people who did some actual here's a fast pass for free (laughs) yeah yeah you get fast pass but you're only number eight yeah Some people cleaned up more trash than you, we're yeah, sorry yeah, to say, yeah, yeah. but still, we're impressed. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that gets rid of one of the speed questions, which was, what happen- What do you think happens when you die? I'm not worried <laughs> about it. in line, you <laughs> know, not worried exactly. Because why would I worry about things that I can't control? Which is everything. Point. Uh, point. Maybe. Not potentially. everything, but a lot of things. I can, control, I can control the beach right down there. Sure. I mean, I mean like, it depends that's a whole nother philosophical free will thing. Let's not yeah. go down that mm-hmm. rabbit I, hole. I agree. But there's certainly an, a, an element of difference between controlling how you die and controlling how much garbage is on the beach. So sure. Or, yeah. or worrying about what happens when I do die. I'm more worried about how I live my life than the consequences. Fair enough. Of once I'm dead. I, I, I assume I, I, my assumption is that probably like it was before, yeah. Which wasn't much. I don't remember much before. I, I don't remember born. anything from before I was No, born. I remember some things. Bullshit. No, I do. <laughs> it, there, there, it was just kind of like nothing. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's my point. That's why I'm not worried about it. If there's something more, great. I'm, sign me up. I'm down. But that, uh, that's not going to dictate how I live my life. All right. Here's a speed one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going down that rabbit hole. I see, I see us circling the edge. <laughs> Uh, what belief has most changed for you over the last 10 years? What belief? Um, Either something you believe that you no longer believe or vice versa. Uh, I would say, you know, in, in the general sense of how it ties to really why I beach clean, the, the idea that um, you have to, you, you can't leave, you can't leave things to someone else. Mm. If you want things to change, you really have to, take the initiative yourself and you have to be patient with that initiative which is just everything we've been saying essentially yeah. um but it's it's absolutely don't wait yeah it's absolutely yeah it, putting off something is never going to get it done yeah 
I, I would say, and, and beach cleaning is obviously a very uh, good example. And that's how movements start, not yeah. by yeah. Um, telling other people what to do, but yeah, by showing them. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I would say more broadly than patience. Yeah, I would say patience because when I was younger, uh, like in college, I was very uh, impatient, mm -hmm. I think, philosophically. Fast results. Like, I yeah. want it, yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are like that. And in some ways, I still am about some things, but I've gotten better at it. Um, and I think that just comes with time. And I, I think that's something that uh, I try to share as part of the whole beach clean. It's like a confidence. Too. You know, if you're aiming at something good, yeah. then, okay, I moved 1% in that direction. It's still better than the other direction. Yeah. Right? You're not quite as dead. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what is something that you are sure is true. Something like, if not 100%, the strongest belief that you have that that you can't imagine changing your mind about. Oh, uh, absolutely, hands down, that uh, I love watermelon. I always <laughs> will. Such always will. Watermelon. Okay. I got nothing to say on that. Cool. Uh, do you like watermelon? You know, it's okay. Do you like watermelon? Yeah, I love it. It's good. So, funny story <laughs> about that. My mom, uh, you know how people have like uh, crave foods when they're pregnant? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My mom's crave food was watermelon. With you? Yes. Interesting. And I mm -hmm. I have never not eaten watermelon when presented with it. No matter how full I've been, no matter how drunk I've been, no matter how tired I've been. <laughs> have you ever had like a rum watermelon? or like Oh, when vodka I, watermelon, yeah. rum watermelon. I But there's this weird, uh, there's something about watermelon that's almost, I, I don't know how to describe it. Spiritual maybe? I'm upset. Like... Because I, I love fruit because it's nature. Candy. I wonder if something Grapes. like epigenetically got into yes, your that's, embryo. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm like 99% or I'm 90% human, 8% Neanderthal and 2% like, watermelon. Well, you probably are actually because <laughs> I know it's something like you're 45% identical DNA to a banana. So... Uh. So, You're closer to a watermelon. <laughs> if I were to cut a human in half, they it'd would look all, more like a watermelon. It'd be all seeds and rind, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, water, but there's something about eating, because I love red grapes, too. Love red grapes. But there's something about biting into a juicy piece of watermelon that just nothing else comes close. So that I will never change. Uh, maybe I will, but I, I doubt it. That's my axiom, <laughs> my one axiom that I will die on that watermelon Watermelon's hill about. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I just Googled if um, <laughs> what is the DNA comparison between humans and watermelons. Yeah. And um, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say whatever that, that percentage is, mine's at least one percentage more than yours. <laughs> I think we share about 50% DNA with a banana, though. That's what I remember reading somewhere. Quite impressive. All right. One last question. Let's sense. see what we got here. Um, when well, What can you remember about the time you laughed the hardest? The time I laughed the hardest. You know what's funny? When you immediately said that, I thought of the time that you laughed the hardest. Oh, God. Can you remind me of that? <laughs> yeah. It was... Uh, I, I think we had been hanging out for a while, but we were in an attic. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and there was a Was this Circa, like, 2010? Yeah. <laughs> and there was a certain episode of Always Sunny uh -huh. in Philadelphia involving a, a musical. Yeah. And you gotta pay the troll yeah. toll if you want to get into that boy's, boys hole. And I remember we died laughing, but you in particular, you just broke. I watched yeah. you break. A circuit in my brain yeah. broke. Yeah, you just yeah. couldn't handle Danny DeVito dressed up as a troll talking about I didn't about expect that. it. That's an amazing yeah. episode, though. Yeah, and we, we saw it when I it, broke when, when I first Yeah, saw we saw it, it when we aired, and we like we died. But There's Luke, no replacing the first time you hear it either. No. You know? <laughs> Like, yeah. you can't get past that yeah like, it's a moment now it's still funny for me it's to watch funny, but yeah. like yeah my brain broke for sure yeah. there so th that, i think i was moaning i was like yeah 
Yeah. So, like, so to me, I mean, I was laughing hyster- hysterically at it as well. But the fact that I got to see you break like that made it all the more humorous. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. that was ten years ago. Oh wow. God. Oh man. Can we go back? All right. Well, um, you're on Twitter, right? I'm on Twitter at Joe T Labs. We'll 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 link whatever. I'll yeah. I'll just copy Instagram. and paste your stuff. Um, um, so check the episode notes. Um, I'll link his YouTube video, the TED the TEDx talk that he did. You got a podcast. I'll link Professor Labs as well. Most um, of it is Professor Labs. I'll link your book on Amazon. Great book. And then I'll link some of the other things we did uh, talked about, like the tragedy of the commons. There's a, an article, the guy who invented that term. Um, I'll link the the nice. Camus thing about Sisyphus. And uh, yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, I, it's a heck of a commute to get here. But, yeah, uh, Joe lives downstairs, by the way. I'm, will, I'm willing to do it. It sounds like I'm a troll in the basement. Yeah. It's an apart- It's a house. Yeah. <laughs> you really sound it's an like apartment. That, yeah. Folks, uh, he cleans beaches and doesn't get paid. Of course, yeah. he lives in a, a troll you, hole. You know what we could do? There's still sunlight. You want to go clean the beach? At the very least, we could drink some beer and watch the sunset. I'm going to bring my bags, if that's okay with you. Okay, cool. All, All right, right, thanks for listening, everyone, yeah. and uh, catch you next time. Yeah, thank you. Give us the pie. Bye. Oh, bye. Yeah, there that's, you go. That's, what is that? that? Vanessa Gecko. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Exploring Kodawari. If you enjoyed it, we hope you'll consider sharing it on social media and with friends. You can also help us out by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Those help us more than you would think. And if you'd like to help us out in a more substantial way, consider going over to our website to make a donation through PayPal. Links are in the episode notes for this. You can do this as a one-time donation or a recurring monthly donation. All of that support will help us to set aside time in order to create content for the podcast and the blog. And finally, please get in touch with us and say hi, either on social media or privately through email. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.